Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. You know what? You know what's amazing to me is I grew up in the church, and so it was always a lot of churched people. So when you'd say, He is risen, everybody knew to say, He is risen indeed. But because a lot of you are new to the church, you don't know that. And that actually is very exciting to me that you just cheered when I said that. But I'm going to teach you that right now. He is risen. risen There you go. Now you've learned and and we'll remember that next year. But by then there will be a bunch of new people who don't know church tradition either. And it will be great, right? Amen? Amen. Well, I'm glad that you came to join us for this Easter weekend. And we're so excited about what God is doing I want to just mention a couple of things before we jump into the Word. I've got just uh, a few moments that I want to share with you tonight. But um, before we do that, I just want to mention to you a couple of exciting things that are happening. Uh, Many of you, if you come to River of Life on any regular basis, you know that we have something that we call River Outposts. And so we have have a a group of men and women that meet on the north slope of Alaska. We've got uh, a new outpost that's just opening in Star Valley, Wyoming. And... uh, and I just want, uh, Zeb and Stacy are actually in the house tonight. And so would you guys stand up? I don't know where you were seated at, but they're back there. And, uh, and we just signed a lease on a piece of property for them to be able to meet in. And so we're super excited about that. If you get the chance afterwards to uh, say hi to them and just tell them how blessed we are that they're part of the River family. And then can I tell you something else just happened? Uh, in Malawi this week, For the very first time, they had uh, our little outpost there, had their very first Good Friday gathering, and they had almost 200 people come to their, and so that was actually just happened. That picture right there was was just what happened for their Good Friday gathering, and they are going to have an Easter gathering tomorrow, and somebody in this church generously gave some money so that they could feed all of those people who came both to Friday night and also to Sunday. And so we are just, we are super excited about what God is doing and uh, just incredible, incredible things. We are continuing to pray. I'm going to ask you to continue to pray with us that God will open the doors for us to be back in the jail again because that is needed and COVID has shut that door, but we are praying that God's going to reopen it. Amen. Amen. Well, we didn't take uh, a formal offering today. We, uh, those of you who come to River on a regular basis, you know the different ways that you can give online, and you can use the box in the back if you want to do it that way. Stop at the Welcome Center. Those of you who are visiting, maybe this is your first time here at River. Maybe you're the uh, once or twice a years that show up on Easter or Christmas. Either way, we are grateful that you're here. We're so happy that you've come and chosen. There's lots of options for you to celebrate Easter, and we're blessed that you chose to come and celebrate Easter with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to take a few moments, and we're going to look in John chapter 20, verse 1. It says this, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciples started out, of, started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stopped and looked and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. 
Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth, uh, while the cloth that, was, that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the wrapping. Then the disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and saw and believed. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments as we look at your word, we are so grateful today as we celebrate this amazing event, this earth-shattering event, this, this history-changing event. And God, I know that there are people that are watching online and that are sitting in the room that are in all different places in their faith journey. So Father, I pray that wherever we are, that today, God, we would hear your voice and that, God, we would be drawn closer to you. Lord Jesus, we thank you because you love us right where we are. Father, you love us so much, and you don't say, get yourself right, and then you can have access. You say, come to me just as you are. We're so grateful for that. So, Lord, I pray that I would get out of the way and that, Lord Jesus, you would be front and center. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the last 12 to 14 months, we have seen our world turn upside down. Um, We've seen things that we thought would always be dependable become undependable. We've seen things that that we never would have imagined happen. I mean, I think back to when this all started with COVID and all of the things that have taken place, and it was like, hey, 14 days, and and then you'll get back to normal. And how many of you remember that they said that, 14 days? (laughs) It's a lot of days ago that they said 14 days. But, I mean, I I imagine even like two years ago, if you'd have said, hey, the day is going to come when dad doesn't go to work, but instead he sits, you know, in, a, in the upper part of his body in a suit and the rest in his boxer shorts at the kitchen table and zooms into a meeting, right? Like, we think that's ridiculous, but yet it's what's happened. Just for the record, I come into the office every day, so that, isn't, that wasn't like a personal reflection on what I do. Jobs have gone through huge changes. Home life is different. Everything that seemed stable has now been shaken. And that's been over the course of maybe three to 14 months. But can you imagine as we look at this story, everything was shaken and turned upside down in the course of two to three days. Like we can sit here today and we can think, oh man, it's been hard and and this has been really difficult, but but we've had a kind of a gradual approach to what's happened to us. But the disciples and Mary, these guys had, had... thought they'd figured out what life was going to look like. They're following Jesus, and as they're following him, the crowds are getting bigger. The the miracles are continuing to happen, and they're, they're believing in this man and what he's going to do. And then all of a sudden, everything changes. All of a sudden, he goes from being being welcomed with palm branches to the crowds yelling, crucify him. And now he's arrested, and even in that, they're thinking, something's got to give. Something has to change. There's no way this is how this story ends. And then he's hanging on the cross. Still, there had to be a little glimmer of hope in them. Jesus, come down. Do something. But we know that the story continues, and Jesus dies on the cross, and now they bury him. Many hopes and dreams got buried on that day, just like many of your hopes and dreams might have gotten buried in 2020. Plans that we had now have fallen by the wayside. Well, Mary goes to the tomb on this day, and she still feels hopeless and defeated and lost. And I can only imagine how she must have felt, because 
everything that she thought was going to happen is not at all what happened. And now she comes and, and a few days have gone by because they've had to wait because of the Sabbath to be able to go and do what she was going to do, which was to embalm the body. And in John chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So she arrives and she sees the tomb door open and she doesn't assume resurrection. She assumes theft. She assumes that the enemies of Jesus have now plotted against him one more time. I'm sure she thought, what else can go wrong? And some of you, that's where you've lived this last year. What else can go wrong? What else can happen? Everything that we thought was stable is not. And, and we live in that space. And that's exactly where Mary is. And then these men, because she goes and tells these disciples and they, they run. But what you need to understand is we know the end of the story. They didn't. And so they're running not out of faith, but they're running out of fear. What next? What's going to happen next? Luke tells us that while, the while at the tomb, angels tell the woman that Jesus is not here. He is risen. So Mary tells the others, but these men, they still don't believe. They're, they're still wondering, what's next? How is this going to ever end? And though these men had spent time with Jesus, they naturally revert back to their old self. You know, it's easy when Jesus is walking with you to have faith. It's another thing when you watched him die. And now you've seen him buried. And now you're in this place where you're like, I don't know what this is even going to look like. They're probably thinking, great, Jesus is dead. And now someone has stolen his body. They did not say he is risen. They just got more confused. Maybe they didn't go there because that seemed too impossible. Maybe their mind didn't wrap around that. Even though Jesus had foretold that he was going to rise from the dead, they still didn't go there. Why? Because that just seems improbable. It doesn't seem like anything that could actually happen. And maybe that's where you sit today. Maybe you think Jesus was a good person. Maybe you even believe that he did some miracles. But believing that he raised from the dead, that's going too far. And maybe you think an empty tomb is nonsense. The men who knew him best thought that an empty tomb was nonsense. There must be some other explanation. If you sit in this room today and you're skeptical, what I want you to understand is that in all the accounts of this story, these men, these mighty men who went with Jesus, all of the accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all document that Jesus' truest followers were skeptical. So you may go, I, I don't know that I should come into a church because I'm skeptical. You're in some pretty good company. You're in some pretty good company because they were skeptical. But let me ask you this question. If it was all fabricated in order to keep the movement alive, if, if Jesus didn't actually raise from the dead and these disciples said, hey, we got a good thing going, let's figure out a way that we can keep this thing moving. So they say, hey, let's, let's all, let's even get our stories straight, right? Because some people, when they're skeptical of God's word, they'll go, oh, well, they all talk to each other. If they had done that, don't you think that they would have painted themselves as men of faith instead of doubters? 
If they were going to say, hey, let's make up the story that Jesus died and then rose again, don't you think that in that moment, at least one of them would have said, hey, the others didn't believe, but I did. I had faith. I knew that Jesus would raise from the dead. Especially John. John is the guy who, when you read the book of John, he will continually remind you that he is the one that Jesus loved. So ain't no way John's writing his book and not making himself the hero of the story in this. But they were all truthful in it because they said, hey, listen, we didn't believe. It's too big. It's too hard. It's too incomprehensible. There's no way that Jesus rose from the dead. We watched him. We watched him die on that cross. We watched them put the spear in his side. We know that he was dead. And so their mind doesn't even go there because Jesus isn't there to help them. So as we look at this, the thing I need you to understand, maybe you sit in here and you have this lack of faith and you begin to question like, God, why? What, what, is, what is with it? There's no way that I can wrap my head around this. But I want, I want to challenge you to open your mind just a little bit and open your heart even a little bit more. Because there's something so powerful as we begin to understand the way that this book was written. This book has been under attack. There are even churches that are attacking this book. There are churches that are saying that it's not all true and that it's not all real. And that you can remove parts so that you feel better about it. The reality is, is this book is so well documented. I choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events that took place in the fulfillment of a specific prophecies and claim that their writings are divine rather than of human origin. So if you sit in this place today and you go, man, I question it's okay that you have questions, but I'm asking you, open your heart a little bit because this book, it points to itself continually. When we look at the Old Testament, it's continually talking about Jesus coming 2,000 years from then. And then, it's, and then it's pointing back and forth and it's pointing towards itself. And there's no other book in all of human existence that does that. So these men who, who were in this place where they're like, man, we want this thing to continue, yet they tell the story in such a real way where they say, we doubted. We walked with Jesus and we still doubted. It's interesting to me, though, as I was rereading this story over these last few weeks, there's this part that stood out to me so much. And it's this, it's this idea of the linens. Even in the, in the version that we just read just a second ago, in that, in that reference, they talk about how, how the first disciple, and just so you know, even as I'm talking about John, John talks about how he beat Peter in the race, the running race. You think that dude ain't going to talk about how much faith he had if, he had, if, if they were just making stuff up? Like he says, oh, the one disciple who Jesus loved beat him to the tomb, but then the other guy went on beyond, beyond when he finally got there after a long time, because... I've been there for a long time by the time he arrived. But it says that he got there, and when he got there, the first thing he noticed, he looked down and he saw the linen that was laying there. And what you need to understand is, is most of the time when somebody was crucified, they did not get buried in a tomb. 
they got thrown in the garbage. But there was a deal that was struck, and, and Joseph of Arimathea had made this deal. And, and in Mark chapter 15, verse 45, it says that when he had learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in the tomb cut out of a rock. Now the disciples arrive, and the linen is there, and we see that. The other thing that's interesting about this is it talks about a face covering that was folded and off to the side. Now, I've, I've been in the church my whole life, and I've never spent a lot of time looking into any of that. But as I started to dig in a little bit, I realized that there's something fairly important about what is being said in that particular passage of Scripture. Some theologians think that it's significant. In fact, the King James translation doesn't say it was a face covering. It called it a napkin. Now, back in this day when Jesus would have been walking the earth, the custom was if you went to somebody's house for a meal that you would sit down and you would eat. Now, a meal could last for hours and hours. And so you may be eating that meal, and as you're eating the meal, you may go, you know what, I am finished with my meal. I'm done eating. And what you would do then is you would, you would crinkle up the napkin or the face cloth, and you would either throw it on the floor or you would put it on your plate. And that was a sign to the host, this person is done eating. Now, if you're sitting at the table and you still have your food left or you want more food, the way that you would give that sign to your host is you would fold the napkin and you would set it to the side. And that is a sign that I'm not done yet. Or if you leave, it's a sign that I'm coming back. Jesus folds the napkin and he sets it to the side because he says, I'm not done yet. I'm coming back. This was not the first time that death had lost to Jesus. We saw on more than one occasion that Jesus snatched people back from the dead. But now he himself beats death. So we can escape the clutches by trusting in him. So this Easter, I've reread the most important story in human history, and I'm drawn to this idea of the linen. You see, Jesus left the grave clothes behind. Now, Here's the thing about that. I was thinking about this, and I'm guessing that Joseph, when he went and bought linen, he bought the finest. He was honoring Jesus. So it's very possible that the linen that Jesus was wrapped in while he was being buried was maybe some of the finest cloth that he had ever had draped over him. So it would have been easy for Jesus to, to go, hey, you know what? This is actually some pretty good material. I think I'm going to keep this, and I'll just wear this around because it's very comfortable. But no, Jesus said, listen, I'm done with the grave, so I'm leaving the grave clothes behind. See, when, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the, death, one of the, from the dead, one of the first things he does, Lazarus comes out and he's all bound and he comes out of the tomb. And Jesus says, loose him, unwrap the grave clothes. Why? He's not dead anymore. He doesn't need those. See, when we accept Jesus' as gift, he has modeled for us the way that we are to live our lives, that we are no longer bound by the grave. See, many of us will slip past the open door of the tomb and we'll continue to walk in those grave clothes because we've become accustomed to them and maybe we even find them somewhat comfortable. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. 
Some of you sit in this room and you are fresh out of your addiction. God has set you free and you've begun to walk that out. And some of you sit in this room and you have held on to your addiction. You said, you know what, this little thing that I'm doing is not that big of a deal. And so you continue to wear the grave clothes, even though you've been risen from the dead. And he has something so much better for you than that. Maybe your grave clothes are your addiction, or your grave clothes are other people's expectations, or your grave clothes are old habits, or your grave clothes are legalism or religion. Your addiction to the approval of others might be your grave clothes, or your insecurities have you bound tightly. And you're afraid to let them go because you're so familiar with them. But he came to free you from death. And tonight he's saying, loose him of those grave clothes. Set her free from what binds her. He wants you to walk in freedom. And the enemy is so good at lying to you and saying, yeah, it's okay. It's okay that you believe in that Jesus. But don't give this stuff up. Don't walk away from it because you'll feel a loss when you do so. Can you imagine if Lazarus had come out of that grave and they said, loose him of his grave clothes. And he's like, no, 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 I like him. I like him. I'm going to just go through town like this. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to really work for me. There's no way. Lazarus was like, yeah, get me out of these grave clothes. Because I'm no longer dead. They don't apply to me anymore. I, I remember quite some time ago, I, I uh, watched a little bit of a documentary, and they were talking about back in the day, this was back in the early 1900s, when the circus would travel throughout the country. And they would, they would train these elephants. And the way that they would train the elephants is that the elephant would be on the train car and they would need to get the elephant off of the train car. And they would, they would have it there getting ready while they're putting up the big top and doing all of those things. But an elephant is a powerful beast. And it was hard to keep them in a place where they wouldn't try and run off. And so they would put a metal cup around one of the elephant's legs and then they would drive a stake that was like five to six feet long into the ground, and they would chain it to that cuff. And the elephant, when it was new and didn't understand, the elephant would kick and kick and push and try to get free, all the while hurting himself. He would, he would be bloody and, and bruised and hurt, and he would do that forever. He would just keep doing it and keep doing it. And as they would, they would move on to the next city, they could drive that stake a little bit less into the ground and a little bit less into the ground because that elephant had learned inside of himself that the more I do that, the more I hurt myself. And so they'd keep doing it, and eventually they'd get to the place that all they had to do was put the cup on, and they could tie it to the smallest of trees that the elephant easily could have walked away from. But because it felt that cup, its understanding was, I can't go anywhere. And for some of you, you need to hear that today because I believe with all my heart that there are many of you that sit within the sound of my voice right now and the enemy has lied to you for so long. And maybe you once were cuffed. Maybe you once were tied down. Maybe you once were in a place where the enemy had some amount of authority in your life. But the reality is there's so many Christians walking around and you're still wearing your grave clothes thinking you don't deserve any better than that. And Jesus is saying, listen, I've already set you free. The thing that binds you right now is actually has no authority over you. 
but you're allowing it to. And I'm telling you today, as I, was, as I was rereading this story, and I just kept looking at that, the linen, the linen, the linen, I thought, man, it is so amazing that they made such a point to say that Jesus said, I'm not bringing these out of the tomb. Because I don't need them anymore. See, grave clothes were meant to hold the body together while it was decomposing. Can I tell you, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, you're no longer decomposing. You don't need grave clothes anymore. Many of you have been hurt and you feel raw and the enemy wants to keep that cuff on you. So you feel shackled and broken even though there's a Savior who offers you freedom and healing. So as we look at this idea on this Easter, what I want you to understand is you have a choice. The thing that's amazing about God is he looked throughout all of history and he looked, he saw us in East Missoula on this night. And he sees you and he says, I know you're messy. Man, I know you do stupid stuff. And I'm just telling you right now, if you're not used to hearing that when you go to church, you are sitting in a place full of people who've done a lot of stupid stuff. A lot of messy junk. But we are saved by grace by a God who loves us. So tonight, I just really feel like there are, there are many in this room who, there's two different things. One, of you, one maybe you just were saying, man, I, I've gone to church. I've heard this before. I've never really fully bought in or believed. And the thing about God is, is he's, he's not saying, hey, once you get your theology right, then you're accepted. Once you get your mess cleaned up, then you'll be okay. No. He says, I see you right where you are, as messy as you are. And if you'll come to me just as you are, I have forgiveness and grace. I'll take your stuff, your junk, your mess, and I'll move it from you. I'll separate it from you. As far as the east is from the west, he separates it from you. Because that's how much he loves you. Maybe you're in the house and you've accepted Christ before, but the reality is, even as I'm talking about grave clothes, you know that you've allowed some stuff to stay in your life because you don't know how you'd be without it. Jason, I might just fall apart without it. You won't. You're not decomposing anymore. You've been raised from the dead. And he has life for you. So I'm asking everybody in the room if you'll close your eyes with me for the next few moments. If you're in this place this evening and you would say, Jason, I have not made my relationship right with God. I know that I've questioned even, and maybe you struggled even with this story, but tonight if you would make room for Jesus, if you would just say, God, I'm going to put my hope and my trust in you, and it doesn't mean you're going to have all the answers. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but what it means is you're saying, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's you tonight and you would do me a favor and just lift up your hand and catch my eye, I want to pray with you before you leave this place tonight. Is there anybody like that at all that would just say, yeah, I see you. Yep, thanks, brother. Anyone else? Yeah, I see you back there. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah, thank you for you. Yeah, I see you back there. Thank you. take one more moment. Is there anybody else that would just say, Jason, will you remember me in this closing prayer? I just want to make my relationship right with God before I leave. 
No one else is looking around. Okay, I see you back there. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, okay. Look, we need to take one more moment. Is there somebody else that can say, Jason, remember me? Tonight, I want to lead you in a prayer. If you raised your hand, what you're doing in this moment is it's confessing who Jesus is. It's saying with your mouth out loud, I confess that Jesus is who he says that he is and that I want to follow him. In that moment, God does this amazing thing because he loves you so much. He takes your sin and removes it from you. And you begin to follow him. And you're going to make mistakes and you're going to trip and you're going to fall. But you're going to pick yourself back up and you're going to trust him. And you're going to ask him to help you and to give you guidance and direction. So whether you raised your hand or you didn't, I'm going to ask everybody in the house to just pray this prayer with me. Maybe you didn't have the courage to raise your hand, but you know you need to pray this prayer. Will you pray it and mean it? Because if you do, it changes things inside of your life tonight. Let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus. I thank you for what you did on the cross. You gave me forgiveness when I didn't deserve it. You brought grace when I needed it most. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it tonight, we're going to have some people at the back wall under that sign that says next step. And they're going to have some information they'd love to give you. If you want to talk to them, you can. If you just want to grab the information, that's fine as well. But I do believe that there are many in this house right now that you would call yourself a believer. But if you're honest, you've kept the grave clothes on. You've held on to an addiction. You've held on to a, a sin that you know you need to release. You've held on to an insecurity. And tonight, I believe with all my heart that as we close in a time of worship, you can say, God, I'm taking off the grave clothes. I'm handing those things to you. And I'm believing that you are going to clothe me in your righteousness and that I'm going to be a new creation. God, I pray over every person that that applies to, that, Father God, these won't be just words that cross my lips, but, God, they will penetrate even the hardest of hearts. For those who have struggled in this area where they've had a secret sin or a struggle that they've just kind of grown to live with, God, I pray that they would let go, that they would loose the grave clothes, and that they would walk in your righteousness and understanding that you have made them new, and they no longer have to live that way anymore. We give you all the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we sing? Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. 
shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.